Welcome to the Chatty Teachers Podcast. This podcast is made for teachers by some really chatty teachers. All about the aspects of teaching that no one really talks about. I am hoping to share some laughs and some tears so that you know you are not alone in this. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Chatty Teachers Podcast. So we have the most exciting episode today and I'm honestly so excited for this next little series, next chapter, like kind of what's coming for the Chatty Teachers brand, I guess. Um, Now to address the elephant in the room, I know I've been super MIA since the beginning of the year. Um, It's too much to put into words but there's just been a lot of things going on and I've been struggling a bit with the fact that I had so many plans that I wanted to be done by now that just aren't but I think it's also good to remember that things we can't have control of everything and you know we can set our goals we can make our plans but that doesn't mean that everything is going to go to plan that's kind of the kind of what's happened to me the last few months had so many plans things didn't go to plans go to plan but here we are I mean I have achieved well I feel like I've achieved some really amazing things this year I'm now a qualified intern um, educational therapist which is like so exciting for me it's exactly what I've wanted to do exactly where you know I've always seen my life going ever since I started doing my teaching degree um, you know more of the focus on the support in the classroom you know but believing in like a program that can actually get you there so I'd love to do an episode completely all about it just to kind of let you know what it is because I feel like it is such an empowering tool for teachers like even if you're not interested in going to like the private practice um like private um therapy sessions kind of you know direction having this knowledge and being a teacher in the classroom I feel is so powerful I mean the stuff we were taught I'm kind of like why weren't we taught this when we did our degrees like what did I actually learn in the four years that I was at university so I'd love to do an episode completely on that but today's episode I'm so so excited my beautiful sister Tegan is joining us and we are talking, first of all, just like a bit of an intro, a little bit about her. And then we actually get into some real nitty gritties. Um, and recording these episodes, it honestly just made me so excited for what is to come. I mean, like, you know, we've never recorded an episode before. I was a bit like, don't know how it's going to go, a little bit nervous. But when we sat down, we just kind of, uh, you know, bouncing ideas off each other, just chatting. It just felt so natural. She's got so much knowledge that she is so excited to share. And I just think it is so empowering, you know, to have somebody like that, to have somebody like her who's got so much experience, who's got so much knowledge, who's willing to share it with us and who's willing to say, listen, from my perspective or from what I've seen, this is how, you know, teachers should handle this or how teachers should do this or how what she thinks and and like answering questions. And so yeah let's just get into the episode because I'm honestly so so excited hello and welcome back to another episode of the chatty teachers podcast I'm so glad you're here and so excited for what we are going to be talking about in this episode 
I have a very special guest with me here today who happens to be my beautiful sister, but she is also an educational psychologist. We've got lots of questions, but Tegan, hello, how are you? Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be able to share this with you as a sister and also as a fellow professional in the educational field. So really excited to be here and just to be able to share this space with you. Well, I am so excited because I think, um, obviously everything I try to portray with this podcast is like inclusive education, you know, um, how to provide a really supportive environment for a child. And I think an educational psychologist is such a huge part of that you know, to be able to give a child every single thing that they need to, you know, actualize their full potential and become a successful and to become successful in their education. So just thought we'd start with a few questions. So how did you get to where you are? What was your process of, of, you know, studying and your choice and everything? So I, when I was in varsity, I wanted to become an engineer. So it was nothing in the education field. Um, I think you were lucky you always knew from like day one you wanted to be a teacher so there was always like this mindset that you wanted to work with people but I was like very confused about it so I went on a gap year worked at a school with kids and I did after school classes with kids that had dyslexia and other reading impairments and I absolutely loved it so then I thought okay cool I have a starting point let me do a degree in education I don't want to be a teacher but maybe remedial or something that's a little bit more specialized in, in helping children with impairments. So I started a B.Ed. intermediate phase at Tux. Um, in my first year I took a elective which was psychology so it was just for fun. It was just like oh that's, this looks cool let me try this and then I ended up just absolutely loving it and then when I was in my second year an educational psychologist came to speak to us and then I was like okay this is what I want to do. So then I threw myself into my studies, got finished my degree, applied for honours in educational psychology at Tux, um, got into that, studied that, and I was fortunate enough that when I applied for my master's, also at Tux, I got in the first time, which is it, which can be hard, but um, yeah, so I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, in my honours year, I also worked at a centre for um, autistic kids and related disorders, so that also definitely helped a lot, like for me to see that this was definitely what I wanted to do. So then I studied, did my master's, I finished that in 2019, did my internship year at a school, at two schools in Joburg, and then in 2021, I went into private practice. Um, and then I also decided a bit stupidly that I would do my PhD, <laughs> so I started that in 2020, and then I'll hopefully submit, submit this year. So, I mean, some people do BA and then do psychology and they'll do an education module and then they can go into um, educational psychology or others can do like the full educational route. So that's what I took. So I think it was about uh, seven, eight years in total okay. to get where I am now. <laughs> Definitely dedicated. <laughs> um, and like along the process, like, you know, working at the school for autistic children, was it a challenge? So I've never found working with 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 children a challenge. I th I think where I struggle is working, is where the dynamic comes in with lots of different factors like school, and parents and children, and you're trying to get the you're trying to work in the best interest of the child, but then other people are not always seeing that mm -hmm. or or wanting that or you know have a different agenda or a different viewpoint. So I've never found working with with children or children with difficulties um, challenging. I think that's where obviously my passion lies. So for me, I want to help or support every child that comes across, you know, I come across, 
regardless of what difficulty they have. For me, you know, every child is beautiful and unique and has their own voice and we just have to figure out a way for them to, to share that voice, whether it's being nonverbal and, you know, communicating with pictures or it's being less angry and, and using words or it's, you know, all these different things. We just have to figure out what makes that child special and unique and we have to make, we have to champion that instead of conform, mm. you know, because I think that's where I struggle a lot is with the education system in the past and, and in the present now there it does happen is you know children must fit a box if you don't fit a box well tough luck for you your difficulty isn't important or you're naughty or you know you're just you're just a tough child problem child where no there's no problem children every child has their own difficulties if we think about each of us we all have something that made it made it hard for us to learn or that we struggled with I mean I personally had high anxiety but when I was at school I don't think anyone really ever realized what it was because it was just, oh, you know, you just, you know, you don't, you're lazy or you're not mm. working hard enough. But now as an adult, I realized that the reason I didn't work hard or didn't do things or worked over overboard on certain things was because when my levels of anxiety were high, I either couldn't do anything because I was like frozen or I did too much because I was so panicked, mm. you know. So everyone has their thing and we just have, I think that's where for me it's just, Figuring out what that thing is and giving support and love so that the child can overcome it. Sure, I think that's so relatable, especially like um, I think for all people in like the kind of education system, especially like you were saying with all the outside factors. And I mean, I know as a teacher, and I know most people relate to you know when you're trying to like say request an assessment and you speak to the parents and you say, I feel that they need an assessment for this and this and this reason, and nine times out of ten you you get like it's a fight. Because they, you know, either are not interested, they they're think, afraid. yeah, they're, yeah, they're exactly, they're afraid that you're, I don't know, judging their child. What, what are we going to uncover? Yeah. So I think that's such a relatable thing. And I think it's so important, I think, for parents to also realize that, you know, people in the education field, teachers, education psychologists, OT, speech therapists, they've all got the child's child in mind. We don't do anything for our own benefit. Yeah, our profession it's, is child-focused. It's exactly. child-centered. And I think, I like what you say, like that mindset of an assessment, I think if I could wish one thing for the world that will, going forward is that people look at these kinds of things more as like a, a necessity, like how do we figure out who my child is? Mm. Oh, let me see what learning needs they have. Mm. Even if there's no... Um, like impairment that causes a lot of distress let's still see where they struggle where mm. they don't let's just look at this as a lens of how who is my child where do they struggle where are their strengths because at the end of the day that's what an assessment does it's not trying to like uncover some oh this is what's wrong with your no, child yeah. i mean that's never the lens that no. i approach an assessment it's always okay where are your child's strengths where are the weaknesses what can we what can we help them improve on what's causing anxiety mm. what's going to help them flourish that is what an assessment that's the purpose of an assessment yeah. it's to figure out who this little person is what are they struggling with what are they what are they not what's causing distress and how can we help them mm. be the best version of themselves and how can we help you as a parent understand your child to the best but to the best of your ability no i 100 agree and i think <clears throat> like you say your wish and i i completely agree it's almost like you know, I'd love for you to come and say that, like every single parent who I say, let's have an assessment, because I think it has such negative connotations for some people, and it's not. It's not a negative thing. Mm. It's it's an amazing thing that we have. I mean, can you imagine a world without things like that? And you know, when, like you were saying, when we were younger, I mean, I feel that 
you know, assessments and like professionals who help in the education field weren't as um, like, uh, I don't it know. It weren't as pivotal. Yes. It wasn't like your, your child was having a reading difficulty. It was, oh, but you must read more. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, maybe there's dyslexia or maybe, well, yeah, well, exactly, maybe yeah. there's a processing problem, a difficulty yeah. there. Or maybe there's this, or maybe there's your parents are getting divorced and there's such high anxiety yeah. at home that your child is struggling at school. Yeah. There wasn't any introspection or let's look deeper. It was just the child's behavior was always taken at face value. No, definitely. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things I struggle with as well. It's that, oh, he's being naughty. Oh, he's mm. such a problem. Or, you know, he, he won't sit still. Or she won't mm. sit still. She, she does this. She's so mean to her peers. Okay, why? Yeah, exactly. Why, why is she mean? And I feel like why that... Why is he not sitting still? That what you're saying there, I feel like that also is a huge problem that comes in with teachers. And especially like, I mean, like I've always said on this podcast, I don't like to generalize and stereotype, but, you know, some teachers, they just label a child on the first go and then that label follows that child all the way up their schooling. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll get recommended assessment and then they'll come to you and then the teacher will, I don't know, in the written form or the parents said to you, the teacher said they this and this and this. And I think it's so unfair to label a child like that because exactly, why are they acting like that? Why, you know, what has caused this behavior? Because mostly every child, there is a cause of their behavior. But exactly, I mean, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I can't, I've had countless cases where parents come and, oh, the teacher says they must get an assessment because the child is, you know, just, they can't control him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's strange. He's, he's naughty. He just won't listen. And then, you know, we do an assessment and it comes out that the child is on the spectrum mm-hmm. or the child has like severe ADHD or the parents are actually going through a divorce or a, there was a death in the family and this child is struggling and going through the grieving grieving mm-hmm. process, but no one is looking, no one is interested. Yeah, they and just see the outside and what they're doing. Yes, and they just and blame and stereotype on that. Yeah, and I mean, for for an example, um, for an example, this is something that I find happens often. You have a child who's going through a difficult situation at home. Maybe parents are getting divorced, or there's abuse, or there's like I say, a lost 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 parents, or something like that. And the child will be at school, fo- struggle to focus. Teachers will, you know, shout at this child. The child will then get upset and mm-hmm. why are you shouting at me? Why don't you shout at other people? Why are you doing this? And then the next thing that's, oh, your child's a defiant child. Mm-hmm. Your child back chats, your child this, your child that, all these things. And then you ask the kid, what, you know, what, why are you doing that? Because I don't feel heard. They're not listening mm-hmm. to me. I'm trying to tell them. I'm trying to tell them I need help. Mm-hmm. And that's where I find there is, obviously, in, within the teaching field, you do have teachers who label, you have teachers who don't, you have teachers who are too afraid to. Mm. So I think there needs to be a happy balance. But I think the lens that all teachers need to look at it is, is what is this behavior communicating? What am I seeing? Why is this child doing this? Because children don't, children don't just do things just because they're like, mm, mm, feel like cool, it. I'm going to go and throw something. Mm. There's always a reason. And I think that's such a, I think that's, if I had one wish, was to wish that teachers would be more self-aware of, the way that they act towards kids because it's such a huge I mean I even think back to my primary school teachers and things that they did to me and I mean it almost like shapes you as a person no it does and also just for teachers to be aware of you know the kind of disabilities out there and the way that they present themselves so exactly like that if you have a child who has an outburst you can as a teacher say okay I'm not going to retaliate back I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to ask them what their needs are instead of going home, going to the parents and being like, oh, they were so defiant, and going to the parents and saying, they had an outburst today, 
these are the reasons why yes. I just want to let you know. And just in what you're saying, I think um, one thing, te- teachers, anyone in the educational field, even psychologists, remedial therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, you have to be so aware of the, the responsibility and the power you hold with the parents. Mm-hmm. Because if a teacher or someone says, oh, it's not important, or your child's doing this, but don't worry, it's not important, the parent's going to be like, oh, okay, it's not important. Mm-hmm. And then three years later, or however long, when the problem becomes so large that the child can't cope mm-hmm. within a mainstream school or, or just at home, then they come for like come to me and then it's like, but no, but this person said it wasn't important. Oh, yeah. And I think that's where we have to be very careful because it might be your opinion, but this is a little person's life that you could be you could be causing trouble with. Mm. So rather just say, you know, I don't think it's a problem, but go and, go and get it yeah. checked out. Or, you know, I do advise, you know, I'm not an expert in this. Mm. You know, when I, there's things that obviously come across my table where also I'm like, this is not my expertise. Yeah. And then I'll be, I'll say, this is not my expertise. I suggest you go to here. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's a problem. Rather be on the cautious side because mm. three years later or a year later or six months later, whatever you suggested to a parent or, oh, it's not a worry could be a worry mm. and parents will like hang on to that but this person said or this person mm. said it wasn't or and that's something I have to be very aware of mm. because to dismiss something could could bite you later well, on. yeah and I think like in the case of the teacher I mean if you dismiss something like that and they go two or three years before it comes up again I mean that's two or three years they could have been receiving support exactly and, they and could the be... gap the gap then will be so huge and we don't know the the level of emotional distress mm. that child's going to go through have they now developed high anxiety? Are they so distressed that they just can't? Is there depression? So we have mm. to be so careful. Children are so delicate, but also so resilient. So they can get things through things like that, but why go through all that pain at such a young age? Just if, if help is needed and if there is slight, like I say, tickle of a worry, mm. rather, rather get a check. No, definitely. And I also think, I think something so important for teachers to realize is that we cannot diagnose. We cannot make assumptions. We can't say to, exactly like what you said. Like you can't say to a parent, it's nothing. Because it's actually not our place to say that. Mm. Our place is to teach and to facilitate and to mentor children. And if we see something that might be the cause of concern, it's our job to share it with the parents. And then it's their choice what to do with that information. Oh, you know? exactly. Yeah. And I mean, within my role, so obviously as an educational psychologist, I, so my role is, or my expertise, I would say. So I'm a psychologist. I, pro- I provide support and guidance within the, within a field where I help with development, focus on child development. So that's where my speciality mm-hmm. lies. It's in helping improve life where there's difficulties that are causing difficulties to mm. development. So helping with, you know, any kind of any kind of support need. Child is feeling distressed, has emotional difficulties, has learning difficulties, behavioral difficulties. That's where I, my profession and my focus lies on providing support to optimize a person so that they function, mm. so that they can function a good way, that we can help them through these little things. Mm. So within my scope of practice, I can diagnose, I provide mm. intervention. So if I don't feel competent, I won't be like, yes, I'm going to diagnose mm. this child with whatever disorder. If I don't feel competent, I'll say it and I'll, there's nothing wrong mm. with not knowing. No, and I, I think, think that's, exactly, yeah. teachers also need to take, take, um, 
but like solace in that mm. it's okay if you don't know no you definitely you know. and you don't have to know and you mm. don't have to be a, and like oh i've got this all figured out i don't even have it all figured mm. out there's sometimes when i'm like i i this is what i think this is who i think you must go talk to this is the, the road forward i unfortunately i'm not comp- i don't have the skills for this mm. and you need further support and i think we all need to be we all need to be um like you say self-aware that if we say we can help it can often cause a lot more damage yeah. and we just have to admit it's it's okay i don't know this but i know someone who can help no definitely i think it's like yeah you've kind of just got to be aware that you don't know everything always and that you know there are people who do yes. or not that they do but they know they specialize in a certain field so they can help in that exact and place. i'm not as so i mean yes i did a teaching degree but i haven't the, the extent of my teaching experience was 12 weeks mm-hmm. i think it was 12 weeks in my in my teaching practice mm. so i'm not gonna at all say that i'm an expert teacher yeah. or and i'll go in and cringe on all but you should be doing it like that yeah no, because that's not my expertise yeah. my expertise is very focused on providing support looking at what can support a child what can help doing assessments doing therapy that's where my mm. focus lies but I'm not now going to, you know, if I have a child that, and the parents say, I oh, know they need, you know, support with remedial work, can you teach them these five things? That's not where my expertise yes. lies. So I'm going to refer that person. Mm. And I'm not ashamed at all to say that, that, mm. you know, I'm also, I have, I have experience obviously in my field, but I don't have 20 years experience or five years experience in a classroom. No, definitely. So I'm great at handling children mm. one-on-one, but I don't know the pressures of mm. handling 20 little children screaming mm. at you. Or I need this and I need mm. this and well, you know whatever I'm like that that yeah. scares me. That's why I, <laughs> I possibly maybe that was one of the reasons I lean more towards psychology mm. because that was more one-on-one attention. I don't yeah. work with groups of people, mm. but you know so I'm not gonna ever say that I know what it's like to be a teacher. To be, yeah. And I, but I think it just is. It's it's so brave and I think it's it shows strength when we can say that we don't know or we need help or you know let's pass. I'm going to pass your query on to our psychologist. Mm. So I'm going to pass your query on to the OT or the speech mm. therapist. Or actually, I have no idea. I'm going to speak to the HOD and see what mm. they say. And then we'll figure this out together. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people just need is oftentimes don't need an answer. We just need, how are we going to solve this? Mm. Okay, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm a teacher or I'm a psychologist. This is what we're going to do. Mm. And I think that's something also teachers can take con- like solace in and like comfort in is that when you don't know, just say, I, I don't know, but I'm here. I'm going to mm. be looking after your kid in, in, that, in the classroom. We're going to, I'm going to get some referrals for you. I'm going to ask around, mm. but I'm here and it's fine. Yeah. Like, I've got your kids back when, I'm, mm. when they come to me every day. And that's enough as well. Sometimes yeah. that's literally all they need. Yeah. You don't need yeah. to be the superhero that says, oh, I think it's this diagnosis or yeah. no, I don't think there's anything wrong. If you do, don't know. Rather don't say, because that's also when parents can, or like I like often I hear, oh, but the teacher said, and we're so cross with the teacher. And then I, there's a lot of, I feel a lot of conflict because this teacher's trying their best. Mm-hmm. You know, there's obviously been a previous experience where the child has had something and then mm-hmm. the teacher's like, it would look similar. Or the teacher is trying to help, but now there's so much stress because parents yeah. can also be like, you will tell me yeah. what's wrong with my child. Mm-hmm. And the teacher's like, mm. So I think that's also just be confident when you say, I don't know, but we'll, we'll this is what this yeah, is going to do. Yeah, this is the plan forward. These are the steps. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. 
And like I said, I think it is very important for any kind of person to be able to say, I don't know. Mm. And But like you said, I will be here every day when they get to school. I'll provide the supportive, loving environment that they need. Yes. And whatever other, you know, like interventional support they need, I will help you to get that and to kind of find the answers. And that's, I mean, also something where like, if I re- say I diagnose a child, oh, I do an assessment, they've got high anxiety or ADHD and they need accommodations or the teacher needs to adjust the, the learning method slightly. I'll write the recommendations, the parents will send the report to the teacher. The teacher can interpret that however mm. she wants and or he and, and within their specific thing. Or maybe they believe this will be best or this will be best. But I don't fiddle with that mm. because that's your expertise, it's not mine. Yeah. I've recommended and I've said, you know, this, the child this, this. struggles with sitting still so they need movement breaks. Yeah. However you do that... It's your own. Wherever you place them, that's what you as a teacher think is what's best, yeah. and that's your expertise, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. So that's also where I think there, there needs to be less fear of, of I'm not going to judge, yeah. because that's your expertise. Yeah. Um, and there needs to be this almost an attitude of we're all helping mm. this little tiny person, the best interest of the child. I'm not criticizing you, I'm not saying what mm. you've done is wrong, but I'm just saying now that we have this more, the more information. information, these are the things that can help. Yeah. Please try and do it. And I also think just like on that kind of note, I think it's also so important that teachers are open to that kind of thing. Mm. Because so many times I've, I've heard from colleagues like, oh, I've got the Ed Psych report and it says this, but like, oh, I'm not going to do it. And I'm kind of like... Or like it's not what I think Yeah, it's not right what I or, think. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can understand that. I relate with that. There's often times <clears throat> where teachers will be like, yeah, but this, it hasn't worked in the past. Mm. I understand that you know, possibly it didn't work in the past, but try it in a different way. But also every or, single child is different. Exactly. So that child might have not responded to it well, but this child might respond exactly. to it like amazingly. And that's where I think like there needs to be... Even with me, like I, some teachers will... I'll get like... Criti- well, not criticism, but I'll get comments from teachers... Or this didn't work, like the, the, the complete opposite. Mm. And then obviously there's, I'm like, oh no, well, did I do something mm. wrong? But then I have to just think, no, but this is a technique that helps mm. X behavior. Okay, what's next? Mm. If, I get, if I get touched every time someone yeah. tells me that something I've recommended doesn't work, then I, you know, I might as well just go lock myself <laughs> in a room. Because like you say, every child is different. Mm. So the technique I recommend for child one will work amazingly but the child but i recommend the same technique for child two he has the a same condition literally will yeah. be the complete opposite and that's where all of us need to just be patient and not think that everything is a little jab yeah we're just trying to find the yeah. best and also like there's no cookie cutter technique to no. like because this child's got dyslexia we can do this 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 and it'll be better or adhd yeah. or anxiety oh it's got yeah well the child's got adhd i have seven eight other adhd children so that was just all the same thing for them like no all seven of them will have different yeah. ways that they respond to things and that's where we need to just also just remind ourselves that mm. every every kid is different okay well i think we're going to end this episode there because i'm so excited to talk further on this topic and I honestly think we're going to have such amazing chats with both of our knowledge and all of your expertise put into one. So thank you for listening to this episode. Please stick around for more as we delve deeper into everything that Tegan does and everything that she's got to offer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chatty Teachers Podcast. If you enjoyed it and you would like to keep listening, please make sure to check back in next week or connect with us over on Instagram. We are an independent podcast, so a review would be amazing. Please follow on whichever streaming platform you use to keep in touch and to keep updated.